Welcome to our Friday broadcast of the Radio Bible Course. We thank you for tuning in. We're studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In verse 13, Paul commends the Thessalonians and tells them that he thanks God for how they received the message which he preached. They received it not as the word of men, but as the word of God, which was at work in you believers, he said. And then he wrote, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus, which are in Judea. This tells us something about what had already happened. Paul was writing somewhere around 50 A.D., and there were a number of churches in Judea. That's the area located in southern Israel, west of the Dead Sea and in the Jerusalem area. What does the word church mean? The word church was not originally a religious word. In Acts chapter 19, the rioting mob was called an ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church. It's better translated assembly. Church in the Bible never means a building. It never means an organization. Instead, it means a gathering of people. Now, that gathering can be for a specific purpose, such as a town council meeting, but it can also be used for a loose mob of people. In the Septuagint, that Greek translation of the Old Testament, it uses ecclesia for the assembly of Israel. When all those tribes gathered as they did, as they moved across the wilderness journey, they were referred to as the ecclesia, the assembly. Now, the Greeks had other words for religious brotherhoods, but Christ did not adopt any of them when he announced in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that he would build his church. That's the first use in the New Testament of the word church. It suggests that he did not have in mind the formation of a new religion. He said, I will build my church. It was to be future. There was no church while Jesus was on earth. He did not attend a church. Of course, he couldn't because the church had not begun. And we might in that connection also say that Jesus was not a Christian. He was a Jew. He grew up under the religion of Judaism, not under Christianity. The Christian faith was not yet formed. It was not yet established, and his, its teachings had not yet been given. That was all new material that came, largely through the apostles, including the apostle Paul. Listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3. It'll give you the flavor of this new revelation that was supposed to teach the church. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ 
which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that is, how the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. And then Paul adds in verse 9 of Ephesians chapter 3, that he was given grace to preach so that all men would be able to see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. So it was a new revelation about this new body. A new family of God was created, made up of Jew and Gentiles, and a new revelation was given to it through the Apostle Paul. He is the man most responsible for giving us our teaching about the Church of Jesus Christ. There are churches, and then there is Christ Church. Churches are those groups that meet in his name in different localities, but they all belong to one church, which is his church. And that's the church we want to preach, because unless one is in that church, he is not a child of God, and he does not have eternal life. How do you get into that church? By baptism, not water baptism. It's a baptism that comes through faith in Christ Jesus, and it's called spirit baptism. 1 Corinthians 12.13 best expresses it. It says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Gentile, whether slave or free, and have been all made to drink of one Spirit. Well, the context there in 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about the church, the body of Christ. And it says the Spirit baptizes us into one body. That's his church. In verse 14, Paul refers to the churches of God in Christ Jesus. Were there other churches? There were other assemblies. And remember the word church means an assembly. The Jews and the Greeks have assemblies. So Paul identifies the believers as the assembly of God in Christ, perhaps to distinguish it from the others. Now in verse 15, note Paul's firm words. He writes that those Jews who persecuted these Christians killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. And they displease God and oppose all men. How? By hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles, that they may be saved. Paul here denounces the Jews in his most severe language because he is in sympathy with God's salvation plan for the world, and they are not. More than that, they oppose God and have done so throughout history. How? Well, they killed the prophets in the Old Testament. They killed Jesus, even though he gave them signs, abundant signs, that he was the one he claimed to be, the Son of the living God. Thirdly, they opposed God by driving 
Paul and his companions out of the cities where they were preaching. That's particularly noticeable in the first missionary journey where Paul went to Antioch in the present country of Turkey and the Jews were upset because of the disciples which he gained and they drove him out of town and he went to Iconium. They followed him there and drove him out of the town there and gathered people to oppose him. They followed him from city to city, driving him out. That's opposing God. Then Paul said they displeased God by not accepting the truth which the prophets had spoken. Do you realize that a Jew is not in trouble because he's not a Christian? He's in trouble because he won't believe his own prophets. I say Jews are in trouble with God because they don't believe their own religion. I don't try to get Jews to become Protestants or Catholics or join a Christian church. I want Jews to do what God wants them to do, to believe the prophets. Paul's defense was even though they called him a heretic, he believed only what was written in the law and the prophets. He did not establish some kind of a new cult or a new religion. And the fifth way that the Jews oppose God is what Paul writes here. He said they oppose all men. How? By hindering the preaching of the gospel. That word oppose is a strong word. And it's used of a strong wind which hinders a ship in Greek writings and also in Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. It's a word for contrary. They were contrary to all men. Unbelieving Gentiles, however, are not described as opposing all men. Now, Paul shows us his deep feelings here, for this is the only use of the word in the New Testament in application to people. The Jews opposed everyone who was not in harmony with their traditions, and no wonder, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. And Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, before he was stoned to death, said, Which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? And he angered the Jews. And the result was the first Christian martyr. In Acts chapter 17, where it is recorded how Paul came to Thessalonica, and some of the people who heard the gospel were persuaded of the message and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and the number of leading women. What happened then? The Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked fellows of the rabble, they gathered a crowd, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the people. You see, they were moved with envy, causing a riot because of the effectiveness of the gospel. What a terrible indictment to say that someone displeases God. Well, that's what Paul is saying here, because they were hindering the spread of the message that came right from heaven by the Son of God. 
Now this tells us something about how much God values the gospel and where our priority should be. What might God think of those who do know the good news but won't give any time to explaining it to others? That's almost like opposing God. Now what's the reason for preaching? Well, it's to save, not to build an organization, not to raise funds, or not to change this world. It's to bring the message of salvation to men who are lost. And Paul further writes here in verse 16 that these Jews who opposed men by hindering the apostles and his companions from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, he said, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. What does he mean by fill up? I think here... He is referring to the fact that there are only so many things you can do against God and against men, and these men are filling it up or piling it up to its limit. And the consequence, of course, is that the wrath of God has come upon them. That means that God has already given his verdict. Wrath is certain to fall upon them. God is waiting for that day of judgment when it will be dispensed. If you are a new listener to the Radio Bible Course, you may not have heard about our free booklet entitled Grace. It's one of the great words of the Bible, and we invite you to write for your copy today. It'll teach you all about salvation by grace, but also how to live by grace in order to please God. Until next week, this is Nikelavoda reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.com.